You are listening to the Hostage to the Devil podcast. Some listeners may find this content disturbing. New York City police have been engaged in an intensive hunt for a man known as the 44 caliber killer. He's suspected of already murdering four women and one man, and there's widespread apprehension that his crime spree is not over. Good evening. In New York early this morning, the 44 caliber killer tried to kill again and almost did. How close are police to finding the psychopathic killer who calls himself Son of Sam? If you're asking whether we have any indication of who he is or where he might be, the answer is no. At about one this morning, 24-year-old David Berkowitz, who detectives believe is the Son of Sam, was brought to police headquarters in Manhattan. Berkowitz's car, a cream-colored Ford, turned out to be the key to his arrest. Incredibly, police say what led them to Berkowitz was a ticket for parking illegally at a hydrant near the site of the last murder, July 31st. Found in the car and Berkowitz's apartment were an arsenal of weapons, including a 44 caliber bulldog revolver. Also, another chilling poem which reads in part, Because Craig is Craig, so must the streets be filled with Craig. And huge drops of lead poured down upon her head until she was dead. Detectives report that when they arrested Berkowitz, he did not resist and said, okay, you got me. He was held overnight and questioned prior to arraignment this morning, apparently ending one of the greatest manhunts ever conducted by the New York City police. The plea of guilty was accepted and the judges will pronounce sentence in two weeks. Afterwards, Mrs. Nasa Moskowitz, mother of one of the victims, spoke with correspondent Mitchell Krauss. I hate him as much as anyone can hate anybody. He not only killed my daughter, he destroyed my family, other families. As far as I'm concerned, my, my house will never be the same. You think uh, justice can be done in this case? Not unless they bring back the death penalty, and he burns for it. The last judge seeking to establish that Berkowitz had freely confessed to all six murders asked about the demons Berkowitz has described. Did the power of the demons make you plead guilty? They had some influence, said Berkowitz, but he maintained he had made the decision on his own. Berkowitz, who just turned 25, was given a total of six sentences for murder of 25 years to life. Episode 4, Son of Sam One of the many theories and sensational stories surrounding Maliki Martin was his apparent encounter with serial killer David Berkowitz at his prison cell in the late 1970s. During my research and quest for proof of this meeting, I came across Steve Fishman's excellent 2006 article for New York Magazine, The Devil in David Berkowitz. I reached out to Steve and he agreed to sit down for an interview in 2016. My name is Steve Fishman. I'm called a contributing editor here at New York Magazine, though my job is really to write magazine stories. At the time, the assignment was really to go find out why people were saying that David Berkowitz has a Christian mission. After all, he was a guy who was famous notorious, the most notorious serial killer in the history of New York, had killed, murdered six young girls, terrorized the city. And then David Berkowitz is arrested because of a parking ticket. And the truth is that David Berkowitz cooperates at some level. He, he wants to be caught. He wants to be stopped. And he becomes, at that point, this kind of media star. He has this indelible kind of half-smile that you know, is kind of Mona Lisa-like, and, and everybody can interpret it. David Berkowitz was kind of a nothing, a no one, a cipher. He was a civil servant, a postman, who 
led an extremely dull, ordinary life, albeit a young life. He was, I think, 24 at the time. And then who catapulted to this enormous fame, first as a mysterious character called Son of Sam, and then once revealed as this object of tremendous interest and fascination, who became more interesting and fascinating as people were interested in him. And I think one of the things about him that made him so interesting beyond his crime was he was probably the first celebrity criminal in the recent era. He had a tremendous interaction with the media. He wrote letters to a very famous daily news columnist named Jimmy Breslin, who over a period of days drew out this revelation, which had gripped the city both because of the crime and then because Son of Sam was now actually writing letters. Um, it was very clear that he was manipulating the media for what purpose it wasn't clear. But he had this great feel for the dramatic um, and for the media uh, before that was really part of our agenda. So he's this kind of, at the moment, this opaque figure, an object of fascination which the public, in a kind of secondary way, goes, goes kind of wild for and wants to understand. So he's kind of come from obscurity and notoriety and a kind of terrorist before there were terrorists to now a, a guy that everybody wants to demonize and at the same time understand. And then the latest news that had drifted out was that he was a Christian with a flock in prison. And my editor sent me to see what I could, I could learn about that. One of the handful of friends that Maliki had told about his encounter with David Berkowitz was Robert Marrow. So during one of our principal photography days, we pulled over into a lay-by and they asked him about this meeting. He went down to the prison in New York where David Berkowitz was because I believe it was David Berkowitz or someone who knew David Berkowitz who actually reached out to Maliki Martin. And Maliki went and met with him and spoke with him in prison. I don't know how many times, a couple of times it must have been. And David Berkowitz actually wanted Maliki to write his biography. And Maliki declined because he said he was not going to give a possessed monster a greater voice on the national news stage than he already had. David Berkowitz claimed that he received his instructions from a barking dog whether or not that's true or not on a preternatural level, I don't know. Maliki did tell me that after he got to know David Berkowitz, he told me David Berkowitz fell into a category of individual that Maliki said was very rare and very unique. And he said, that is the person who is perfectly possessed. And what Maliki meant by that was the person consented so deeply to having not only their body, but their intellect, psyche, and will completely given over to the evil entity that an exorcist could not dislodge the demon because the demon was there with the full cooperation of the will of the possessed person. And Maliki always said that someone like David Berkowitz to try performing an exorcism on him would be to challenge evil on its own secure ground. And he said an exorcist would have to be foolhardy in order to do that because he was putting his own soul at risk. You know, I, I'm sure it was a way to attract media attention. I, I mean, at the same time, David Berkowitz, I don't think, was operating by necessarily a plan. I mean, there is 
clearly a deep narcissism and a, a kind of fulfilling narcissism to his behavior and the attention of this series of people who wanted to understand and investigate his life with whom he cooperated serially I mean was incredibly enlivening to him so does does Father Martin become another one of those sure sure he does I would say that there's probably also some level of sincerity in in David I mean he's not a normal guy but there are some urges in him that are normal and I do think that he's a guy who probably wanted to understand himself at some level he's a guy who certainly wanted attention and no doubt he thought that Father Martin could bring these things I think that David Berkowitz was also at some level troubled by what he did for me the kind of one explanation is that he had a kind of break with reality and so then kind of moving on and trying to put that in a place it was interesting and maybe convenient to believe that it was de demonic possession but why not you know have Father Martin come in and do the uh, investigation and the, the search for I suppose what would have been a, a, a kind of QED at the at the end of this explanatory hunt there was always a performative aspect to David Berkowitz and he was incredibly flexible in how he explained his crimes and one after the other he subscribed to different explanations at first there was uh, habitation by the devil and then there was the psychoanalytic interpretation and then subsequently there was the satanic cult and then finally he did hit on the explanation favored by Father Martin which was that he was possessed by the devil there comes a point at which he converts to Christianity and becomes somebody who kind of retrospectively understands this possession and then fights against it though having spent time with him and, and spending a fair amount of time researching him I, I always felt that that for David it was a way to feel better about himself rather than to kind of understand the motivation or the the mechanism of his crime David was incredibly hopeless in prison and he did blame himself to the extent that somebody like David can kind of experience blame and self-loathing and he came upon these passages in the Bible in which God delights in mercy and he became at that point somebody who felt that he was forgiven by God. Now, Father Martin may well have met him as, at a time when he believed that he was inhabited by the devil. For me, when I met David, he was beyond that, and that was a kind of retrospective explanation of what had happened. So I never experienced that, and I always understood David's evolution in terms of what he needed as a person, and what he needed as a person was acceptance and forgiveness and a way, an explanatory mechanism that would help him forgive himself, so to speak. So listen, the, the use value of the demonic possession is that it is not David who's done it, but it is some greater force that has used him as a vehicle. And in a way, you can't help but see the convenience of it. You can't help but see that 
it's quite wonderful for somebody to offload res personal responsibility onto greater forces. We spent a few years of investigating into potential Maliki Martin storylines, and we came to a lot of dead ends in Leeds. We found it impossible to find proof of Maliki Martin's entrance into Attic Prison due to a fire that had wiped out a lot of archive and information. The reality was that we could not find 100% proof that Maliki Martin had entered the prison and had met with David Berkowitz. During our pre-production phase, we did reach out to David Berkowitz a few times for an interview, but he turned us down. So a decision was made to drop the storyline from the film. In hindsight, it was the right decision to make, as well as saving the producers a lot of money on the archive too. Towards the end of my interview with Steve Fishman, I asked what David Berkowitz was like as a person, and the reasons for choosing the title for his magazine story, The Devil in David Berkowitz. David believes that he is constantly battling the devil. And so there's this deep familiarity with the devil who's kind of this friend to him, who's betrayed him and comes in guises and comes to terrorize him and take advantage of him. But David is seen and sees himself as an intimate with the devil, someone who knows his ways and someone who is uniquely qualified to battle the devil and battle the evil that he does, which is one of the reasons that he is so loved by this small circle of very devout Christians, because for them, the, the, the history of, of the world is told as a struggle between the devil and, and the Lord. And David is somebody who is in the wilderness doing combat with the devil. I don't believe he feels that he's possessed at this point, but he seems to feel that he's always on the verge of losing the battle to the devil. Well, you, you know, you, you go to David Berkowitz and you, and you come with the kind of uh, the fame idea in your head. There's almost a kind of celebrity idea about him. I mean, his crimes are so huge and his kind of explosion on the public stage was so dramatic at a certain point that you expect a kind of drama around the person and you and I, to that extent, was disappointed. David's extraordinarily ordinary. He was this civil servant and you feel, uh, he's in his 50s now, you feel that this is a guy who could well be a, a postman approaching retirement, you know, with a pension and some hobbies and uh, a life that uh, was based really on getting by in the day to day. I mean, prison life is dull and I can recall one of the highlights was that David and I walked to the vending machine, which serves food. David's not allowed to handle money. So I walked up with these dollar bills that I fed into the machine, and David got to choose what food he wants, which is really unusual in prison. To choose anything in prison is quite unusual, so it was this kind of tremendous minor thrill for David that he could choose a hot dog and come back to the table and, and eat this hot dog dripping with mustard. So the kind of cap and the highlight of Son of Sam's Day is to be able to choose a hot dog from a vending machine, which is not at all what I expected. So we'd been together for about four hours and the prison guards were very generous in allowing that to go on, but there was a, a time when it had to end and a, a guard approaches and David, who is 
deeply committed to following the rules in prison, who's a kind of model citizen in prison, kind of gets up almost preemptively before the guard gets to him. And he knows the interview is over. It's not just an interview, but it's, it's his time with this friend of his who's, who's brought me to him and with me. And so there's a kind of breath of the outside world and, and escape from the prison. And he gives me a hug because we have, over a period of hours, kind of bonded over his story and, and the ways both the prison and the world. He gives me this hug and I say, kind of almost as a formality, so where are you going now? And he says, to hell. And I took that as a bit of a wink, a multi-layered answer. I think that David knows that people like me who come to him know that David is a devil, whether it's demonic possession or just a, a, a descriptive. And so David is telling me, the outside world, the skeptical journalist, listen, I know I'm going to hell. Even though, by the way, he believes he's going to heaven. But he was also telling, and I, I took away, this is a, maybe the more profounder message, which is that he's going back to his prison cell, which really was a kind of living hell. And David very much knew that and lived that. And in a way, he was, he was confirming that for me. Thanks for listening, and remember you can still watch our Hostage to the Devil documentary on Netflix until April 2021. We have a Facebook page too, so please give us a like and buy us a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com to help us keep this podcast going. And it would only be right to finish with the main man himself. The perfectly possessed are those that are completely at peace. And uh, I've, I've known several of the perfectly possessed, and I avoid them like the pest. And you, you know them only by almost accidental means. Sometimes, they're perfectly normal, by the way, and they've got great business property, they're married, they have children and wives, and they, they put down responsible jobs. There's nothing nothing wrong there. Now and again, just now and again, it's as it were, a veil is drawn aside, and you see somebody you don't know at all. You just don't know this person, this man, this woman. And there's a completely alien look, a completely alien attitude and they breathe alienation and you know then if you, if you if you have a nose for it you know then that uh, they're perfectly possessed and there's nothing to be done about them and they have passed through the usual satanist rituals too uh, they, the three satanist rituals the power of inflicting pain the power of hating and uh, the power of burning fire fire is a is a is part of the Satanist uh, and the Luciferian uh, development. A lot of them are in high places who are perfectly possessed. There's no doubt about that.